This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Coming to you live from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is THN. Cover to cover for Saturday, July 24th, and my name is Matt Baum. And my name is the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 11 Central Time, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page and on Zoom to rap about the week's new comics, nerd news, movies, TV, and of course, the question of the week. Stuff live and things. with our listeners. Things and stuff. Things and stuff, stuff and things. This is a live show, like Joe, like Joe just mentioned. I'm going to bet my tongue while I was saying that, which is weird. So you can jump into our Zoom. You'll be able to find that link. It is going to be in the notes on our uh, Facebook live chat if you want to come on in. Harvey Locust did just that right now. If you can't get on the Facebook or you're morally against that, and I totally understand it because they have been spreading a bunch of anti-vaccine shit that got a lot of people killed. And that's lame, right? We all agree with that. You can call us, 402-819-4894. Or you can just send an MP3 with your recording to twoheadednerd at gmail.com and we will play it on the show. Before we open the phone lines and start talking with you nerds, though, we like to set up some headlines, some stuff that happened this week that you can feel free to talk about or talk about other things, whatever you like. Joe Patrick, set us up with some nerd news. Uh, there wasn't a ton of comic book news this week, really so wasn't. we're just going to like uh, roll into the multimedia stuff that we were uh, excited about. Of course, the big story this week is going to be the return of He-Man in the Kevin Smith-produced Masters of the Universe Revelation. Uh, it dropped yesterday, five episodes, the first five episodes of, I assume, ten? I don't know, ten, eight? Everybody hates it. Everybody hates it because a girl gets to talk. I yeah, was you so know, that, right. When that yeah, girl the, started talking. The show talking, is not. Ex- <laughs> my my wiener crawled is- right back up into my body. I was like, I don't want to hear girls talk. I want to hear boys talk. <laughs> <laughs> I was so mad. No, the so story we're going is- to talk about Masters of the Universe, not just Demian. Yeah. Uh, if you if you missed it uh, and you still have thoughts, uh, we can chat about Loki or Black Widow. Uh, Snake Eyes came out yesterday. Uh, it's not. Uh, being favorably reviewed. <laughs> I Let's read just some, say that. I read some scathing reviews of Snake Eyes. <laughs> it, like, uh, it, somehow they wrote this movie like in the 80s or something and they like found the script and went, we should make a movie out of this, but let's sure. not update or change oh. anything. Oh, who is this? <laughs> who is this fresh-faced character for the for, for 1984? Right. Snake Eyes. Hmm. Uh We've got uh, a, a late breaking story uh, regarding the X-Men uh, editorial office. The, the creators of the current Jonathan Hickman uh, led X uh, books, I guess. They want to have a Hellfire Gala every year. I think it's an X cadre at this point. And the X cadre. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they want to have a Hellfire Gala every year and elect a new team of X-Men I uh, love like it. they did this year, which is sort of fun. I kind of We can talk it. about that yeah. or not. Kind of love it. And oh, more late breaking finally. comic news. Luke Cage coming back in a new series written by Hochi Anderson for Marvel Comics. Unbelievable. I don't know who that is. Uh, he was the biographer that wrote the Martin Luther King biography. 
Hochi Anderson is big deal, real big deal. I mean, I knew who that was, but I thought I would let you set it up. Oh, I did read the oh, I did read the story. Of course, I read the article. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I that was just for so that you could look smart for the listeners. Um, Thank you, I appreciate that. And I guess uh, the uh, the 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 we were wrong uh, story of the week, uh, if we could only pick one, is that Tony Mathers, who called in some weeks ago to say that he heard that Marvel and Disney are pronouncing Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi. Which, and we were like, that's no way that's fucking true. Get out of town. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. It's true. It's true. Not only did Marvel say it, Disney confirmed it. The star of the movie confirmed it. It's freaking Shang-Chi. You were, you said, I want to talk about this. Like Joe Patrick's upset about well, it. Well, no, like, you know, you, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. Okay. I, I, I'm upset in the, in the sense that like my 40 year old comic reading brain is never going to pronounce it Shang-Chi. Ever. No, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's one of those things where, yes, I will continue to do that wrong. But if this is the way we do it, this is the way we do it. No, and, it's true. It's just like, you know, Grant Morrison after, after 30 years of reading Grant Morrison books, Grant Morrison said, Hey, it's a they, them, not he, him. Okay. Or, and or, it's, or that it's guy that we had come in and be like, Hey, it's Amalgam comics, bro. Not Amalgam, you know? Right. And like, exactly. I, yeah, how many exactly. years had he been running around saying Amalgam like, and it's Submariner, not pronounced, you know, <laughs> it's not pronounced the Submariner. So yeah, you know, we've got, we've got things, uh, white dudes are, I'm, I'm sure are going to be pissed about it. Of course. Uh, for me, for me, it's just more like, uh, really, I got to relearn. I got to teach my brain to do a new thing. It's I'm old. You guys, uh, so yeah, I, I also don't understand. Like, why are they saying it's Shang Chi and not Shang Chi? I just don't understand why. Well, I think because that is the actual pronunciation of the name. So that's why I don't think they're making it up. You it's know. the actual pronunciation of the name of this fictional character that two white dudes made up. Well, sure, but I think Shang is a very, a very real name and exists and is probably pronounced Shang. And we dumb Americans are saying it wrong. That's just how it goes. So that could be. Deal and if somebody, it. if somebody has the inside scoop on that, yeah, it's not exactly JD. It's not pronounced Magneto. It's pronounced Magneto. Oh, he's got magnet. I'm, oh, <laughs> well, that's, I think that's Magneto. <laughs> I think that's so he could enunciate, <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's, that's the, all the news that's fit to complain about this week. Uh, hit him with this question of the week. We got a question. Got of the a week. heady one. Speaking of hating things, this week's question comes from Frank Cirillo, courtesy of the THN forums. Frank is still in the magic, most magical place on earth, uh, so he'll be joining us via uh, MP3 later on. I have a friend who has a controversial opinion. He feels that Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns is actually bad. Not that the comic or the story is actually bad, but the impact that it had on the comic book industry. Most comic books post The Dark Knight Returns became dark and gritty and very unfriendly for kids. So Frank's question for the nerds is, what comics do you feel had such a sweeping or a similar sweeping effect on the comic industry for good or for bad? And as a bonus question, 35 years later, how do you feel about The Dark Knight Returns? Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Fun, fun. Let's get into it. Let's get into it right away. And uh, Zach was the first one in here. I have a feeling I know what he wants to talk about. Good morning, Zach, and how are we? I don't. I don't think Zach has anything to talk about this week. <laughs> it was a rough week. No, <laughs> I, I want to talk about something. I wanted to talk about uh, Snake Eyes. So uh, no, I, don't want to talk about snake. I didn't fucking go see Snake Eyes. What are you talking about? 
No, now, let's talk about this Masters in the Universe. I don't. I'm not sure how spoily you want to get. I don't think we need to. I don't it. think we need to spoil uh, anything. But uh, I think it's no secret did, that people are upset that there's not a lot of He-Man in it, and they're. I yeah. think. I think and they're not getting the, it. Despite the fact that Matt was on Twitter last night actively listing events of the show, I said one as thing. It happened. I said one thing. You said two things. Said two one. people called you out. Two people called thing. you out for spoilers. And that was like, no, Beast no, no. Man might not totally be a bad guy. And I love two it. People, <laughs> I love oh. it. Two different people called you out for spoilers. Uh, but yeah, let's let's stay spoiler free. Let's just uh, talk about it in uh, broad terms. Okay, cool. Uh, so first off, can I just say how much I love the intro at the very beginning? Oh my God. The images good. were toys. <laughs> yes. It was like the, the start- old school paintings moving around and stuff. Like, yeah. oh. Yeah, yeah it, it looked like the box art, the box art to the totally. play sets or, or the um, uh, the comics, the mini comics as well. Yeah. And what, uh, one thing that I love. Okay. Man at Arms is a fucking badass. Holy right? shit. They turned Man at yes. Arms into Batman, basically. Right. <laughs> did, and did you catch the small nod to uh, Blazing Saddles? I don't know that uh, I did. He I don't know punches fucking Night Stalker in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he punches a horse in the face. Uh, I did miss that. <laughs> it was great. No, because uh, you know that beginning with the yeah, whole. Of course, thing, he punches him out. It's great. Uh, um, I, I did. I did have somebody ask. Uh, one of our uh, Black Scorpion the three asked uh, after the trailer dropped. Uh, there's a scene in the trailer. It's in the first episode where Skeletor opens a portal and punches through the portal so that a giant magical fist comes through to punch He-Man. That was so cool. (laughs) It was cool. But he said, is that a nod to that old episode where Skeletor steps through the portal and then his fist comes back out and and then smashes the the portal? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it, I don't know if it is, but I hope so. I thought, okay, so Hamill's Skeletor, let's talk about that for a minute. Holy shit, is he scary. He is so great as Skeletor. I love it. (laughs) The only one. No, he was great. I had one problem, and that was Merman. I wanted wanted Merman to be a little, you know, like I needed a little bit of it, you know? And you know who did his voice, right? Who was it? It was Kevin Conroy. It was Batman. It was Batman. Like, it's like, oh, you got this great actor. I was super excited. Then I heard it and I'm like, oh, that's not that good. And I looked it back up and I was like, holy shit, how wasted is that? It was just too straight. That was the one that's like, this dude is from underwater. He should sound funky, at least. That's that's everyone's like universal. Yeah. One small problem. That's my only problem. The rest of the voice cast, fucking badass. You know what Uh, this was really good at? This show is really good at taking characters that I really didn't care about and making me care about them. Oh. I didn't give a shit about Evelyn. You yes. know what? Evelyn stole every damn scene she was she in. She was oh, yeah. great. And Please. her relationship with Beast Man is super interesting. And like, you made me care about friggin' Orko. I can't stand Orko. <laughs> like, you made oh, look, me care I, about hey, Orko. I, mean, I have always loved Orko. Ah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think uh, Zach, you might remember this, but uh, originally wasn't Orko a figure that you had to like maybe mail away for? No, or... no, no, you no? could buy him. No. Okay, I wonder. I th- I thought maybe I was confusing that with like a. There G-Joe was thing. a mail in for a clear version of Orko you could get, and it was like Magic Orko or something like that, I believe. Oh, I know. Uh, it sounds like something you made up, but uh, what else is new? 
Uh, oh. No, I've, I've always loved Orko. I had the Orko toy. You know, Orko's my dude. Um, but uh, friggin' uh, Cersei Lannister was evil in. And oh so, of course, God. she was amazing. Uh, Lena Headley. Hey, why don't you make a live action and let her play evil in that, too? Fine oh, with fuck it. fuck yes. Totally fine with um, it. Sarah Michelle Gellar, who, who seems... Uh, to be content like you know just being a mom or whatever and that's fine she's not acting in front of the camera that much at all these days yeah, but being mom's not was, a job i mean come on you know like get a right, real yeah, job exactly yeah <laughs> um but uh she was tila and she did a phenomenal job yeah so let's get into that for a minute oh uh, real quick on the on the uh, uh i was thrilled uh, i was like tickled pink to uh hear jason muse as stinkor yeah i thought it was so adorable so great <laughs> But let, let's let's just get into that for a minute. Tila, this is the thing that is upsetting toxic man baby culture right now. It's that like, well, they made the girls the main part of the show. And like, yes, a thing happens and He-Man is removed from the show. Yes, but the oh, show is called. Big, that's a big old spoiler. But anyway, yeah. Well, the show is called Masters of the Universe. It's exactly. not called it's He-Man no, it's the Masters of the Universe. And I would argue, and Adam Wednesday pointed it out as well, He-Man is the least interesting character yes. in the masters of the universe i had it's my true. he-man figure because it was part of the toys but you know what triclops was way fucking cooler Lockjaw, like trap jaw was way trap cooler jaw. you know like yeah. even zodak and that was just like a dude with a mask and a laser gun <laughs> like, there were so yeah, many like, characters uh, that, that, were cooler. Was, that was part of the that was part of the fun right like in my mind zodak is the metron of he-man yeah totally he's this oh, mysterious yeah, yeah, cosmic yeah, yeah. this mysterious cosmic being from the start whatever um but uh like they did such a great job and like every time it's like i had that toy i had that toy i had that toy and that's stridor i fucking love stridor that's the thing like smith is not only leaning into it but taking it very seriously very seriously and i loved it there's a scene in the first episode i i'm pretty sure it's the first episode uh i don't remember the name of that uh tank but it's the villain tank the land shark it's long and it's red. Yeah. And it's got the, it's got the trebuchet on an arm. Yeah. 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 I can't remember. The, the, it's got the boulder that it yeah. throws. Yeah. That is the least effective offensive weapon in the field <laughs> I can possibly think of. Uh, and uh, yet that scene is so incredible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where man at arms is facing down this tank and he's just like, who cares? Who did the voice of Triclops? Um, that was Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins. God, he sounds yeah. fantastic. He's so good. <laughs> his character was so interesting. Yes, they they but, interesting. They took like all these. And let's be fair. Everyone that's crying about like they change. It's not He Man. The old He Man cartoon is stupid, guys. It's really, yep. really it's very bad, dumb. And the creators came out. You can watch that Power of Grayskull documentary that's on Netflix right now. And they're like, we wrote this thing so goddamn fast like sometimes the script was done and seven days later they had a cartoon to go with it and then it (laughs) aired monday you know (laughs) like they the the fact that they are fleshing these characters out and doing cool shit with them and like you can see like okay it makes sense why we have a gang of people it's not just a bunch of toys like this guy has this job this guy's really good at this like suddenly merman is a total badass and not comic relief when beast man shows up you're like whoa watch out you know like these characters all of a sudden are badasses again and the fact that people are mad because they're focusing on tila and evil lynn it's a storyline you morons do you really think he-man's not coming back 
Like seriously. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, on. you know, it, they're just still mad that Superman hasn't come back since the nineties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they killed him and we all learned our lesson. Like, Oh, don't yeah. joke around. Yeah. 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 Your heroes will kill, never return. It's, it's over. <laughs> well, uh, a few other things that I really like. You find out what the Havoc staff actually is. Yeah. <laughs> that was badass. The score was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Cringer. Cringer's fucking awesome. Cringer was so good. Cringer's good. Steven Root was Cringer. And they like yep. they just did little things where instead of like, and you know, Cringer's always crying. What was that noise? And I'm hungry. Like, no, Cringer was actually like, it's kind of sweet and nice, you know? And like Cringer's good to talk to if you're if you're not feeling great you know cringer's a good friend <laughs> like, yeah it's great and, and one character shows up I, I don't care if it's spoiling it because it's such a deep cut fucking wondar was in it see i didn't even know who that was i had to look okay here's the story behind wondar he's the he-man with like the brown hair who's wearing like black zodak right armor. right yeah here's the deal this is the weirdest thing ever so a bunch of people have this character. They never sold this character. Right. And people are saying it was a Wonder Bread mail away, yet no one can find any existence oh, I love of there ever being a, a and oh, everyone's like, like, where like the a, fuck did this come from? I love so he's, this. He's it's super like the, expensive. It's like the Sinbad G, uh, genie movie. Exactly. It, exactly. It's the, Man- it's the Mandela effect. Yeah. But everyone's like, we're just going to call him Wondar because he came with Wonder Bread and no, he doesn't have a name. So That's his amazing. name is Wondar because he's named after Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread, He-Man for sale. Let's see what he's going for on eBay. I'm just curious. But they list him as, as Wonder Bread He-Man. One, yeah. Wondar. W-U-N-D-A-R. Yeah. 190 bucks. You can buy it now. <laughs> Holy crap. Wowzers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I thought it was incredible. I'm very excited for the... <laughs> I'm very excited for the back half of the season, however many episodes that's going to be. Um, but yeah, I was I was thrilled by it. Like, I, it made it. me feel like a kid again. Yeah. And like, if you want to view it, the, if you want to view it as like a reboot, you can. If you want to view it as a direct continuation of the old stuff, you can. Yeah. And, like it's not like the old cartoon had this like hu- this like long deep continuity that they didn't constantly ignore when it suited them. Um, but like just to see stuff like, um, and I don't want to say that it's all just like. And then here's this thing you remember. Here's this thing you remember. It's like here's this thing that you remember, and here's what's so great about it. Like Roboto. Right. Oh my God, Roboto was Ro- awesome. Roboto, <laughs> Roboto is tremendous on this show. And Phil Roboto Lamar had a couple moments Roboto. where I was like, "Is Roboto making me a little misty? <laughs> like, yeah. What is happening? Uh, you know, like you exact mentioned, Evil In. Evil In is 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 um, like they've ad- they add so much depth to the characters yeah. that had none really. Yeah. And uh, I think that one thing, and I don't know if this was just my brain, like insisting it was real or if it was an actual real nod, but I swear to God, there was like a, a a nod to like the, um, the end show PSA where it's like, I always eat my vegetables or whatever. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a moral lesson. I swear to God, there's a scene where Prince Adam says something like that in that tone. And I'm like, 
I think he just told her, tried to teach us a moral lesson. I think yeah, they should just I, lean I into it it. do a PSA in the end of every one and, and yeah, just update them. They or whatever. Have. I wish like, they had. I wish they had. And be like, hey, kids, um, just because someone says they're a child talking to you on the internet doesn't mean they're not. You yeah, know, I'm updating like, <laughs> them for the internet age. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't put your real address online. Yeah, bad not idea. everybody is as trustworthy you as may you may think you look cute in that photo that you're putting up, but somebody thinks more than that, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, yeah. good to talk to you, man. Hey, um, I appreciate it, boys. Final thought. Thanks, you're, so you're you're a, you're in a few, like, you know, groups on Facebook and stuff that absolutely adore this stuff. What are those guys saying? Are they into it? Like Cullen's group? Uh, it's, I would say it's probably an 80-20 split. Yeah. And you can tell the 20% who don't like it are the people who are like, like I literally saw a guy being like, they're killing all the male role models. And I'm like, oh, there up. were so many male role models in there. <laughs> they're that killing were the male great. role models. I love it. Yeah. Like, they're right. We're almost out of male role models. I know. Right. <laughs> what are we going to like, do? It's like, oh, we like left the, us the rock. That's it. You know? <laughs> well, I heard he's getting rid of his penis, so he doesn't have yeah. to be a problem. Yeah, anymore. right. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way you can keep your career now. Better cut your penis off. Because like, if uh, not. And, and look, I'm like, there's certainly nothing wrong with this. If this, if this is what happened to you, but if you took all of your lessons uh, about being a, 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 a manly man from the He-Man cartoon, you would be a flaming homosexual. You would also be a lot oh. nicer online. I would argue. You would be. A, no, yeah, yeah. Not only would you be a nicer person, but you would definitely be into like yeah. wrestling dudes with your shirt. Okay. Off. Well, and I hope- every time somebody's been doing that, I've got this picture that I've been putting up. That's a drawing from the 1960s of like, you know, the big headed, big eyed kids. And it's a boy sitting next to a boy who's sad. And he's got his arm around him. And it just says across the bottom, girls are pretty scary, huh? Champ. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a, yeah. 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 It's like, look, man, I grew up in the eighties. We all, we all remember He-Man as a, as a kid. We are not hurting for male role models. No. Calm down. And He-Man and, is definitely gay. There is and no the question. One last thing I want to <laughs> say is after you're done watching it, there's actually an after where they talk to some actors. Worth Ooh, it just to see, see yeah, worth it just to see Henry Rollins talk about his ideas of Triclops, which make total sense. Love it. And Alan Oppenheimer, the original voice yes. of Skeletor, who's doing uh he's Moss Man. Moss Man now. Mm-hmm. He tells a story. If you know if it doesn't bring a tear to your eye, you're not human. Nice. Oh, uh, I need to I yeah. need to track that down. I will dig in. Yeah, really I, good. I, I, like, Thanks, I, will, Zach. I will good to talk to you, man. Thank All right, you. later, boys. Bye bud. Uh one one final thought on He Man, and unless somebody else uh, brings it up. It's like, look, take your own, take your own lessons from those shows if you want them. But like, don't be, don't be all butthurt because somebody else gets a chance to be a role model. They're That's just, stupid. It's just tough to be a white man these days, Joe. You know I know. I mean? I'm just, and again, like poor guy. If if watching He Man as a kid made you gay, Ooh. more power to you. Yeah, no doubt, made me gay, <laughs> and I, I feel great. I get it. JD, I get how it. we doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Got me drinking. <laughs> it's a little early to be drinking, but no judgment here, man. You know, I'm tipsy too. Water. I was drinking the little bit out to talk. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, as I said in the chat, uh, between this Thundercats and Castlevania, I, I want Silverhawks now. I would Please. die. I would die if they so, brought back Silverhawks. Let's just talk about Silverhawks for a second because, like, <laughs> Silverhawk, okay, so logistically, Silverhawks makes no sense. I love oh, yeah. Silverhawks. I, uh-huh. yeah. But, like, Thundercats. A pretty bad cartoon, you know, like cool characters and stuff. Great intro. Silverhawks, oh, same yeah. thing. Kick ass intro. The cartoon oh, for Silverhawks is worse 
than Thundercats. And oh, that yeah, is yeah. saying something. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's how, and that's how, you know, we've, we've made that joke a, a, a thousand times is that like these animation studios blew their budget on yeah. the 30 seconds yeah, oh, at yeah. the beginning. And they were like, okay, we got them now. But uh, there's also no reason why we couldn't update that and make it completely kick ass. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, I would, you know? I would be thrilled with a thun, uh, with a, a, a Silverhawks uh, <laughs> revival. Like, so Silverhawks, uh, Silverhawks is a, a sci-fi show about a group of, I don't know, astronauts, whatever they are. They're, they're, they were like, they're, bird. they're, 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 they're chosen. Yeah. But they were intergalactic cops. I mean, they yeah, were, right. Like they're, yeah. they're, but they were chosen, right. Yeah. For, to, to, to serve this role. But it's like a green lantern um, type thing. They were chosen and they were given of, powers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they, and they well, were yeah, they, they were, were experimented on. They were partly yeah. metal. They were partly real. <laughs> right. Yes, and and so they were uh, they were uh, bonded to these metal suits that uh, allowed them to fly in space, even though one of them needed a jet, and most of them had exposed flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I mean, the guy that needed a jet also like like beat played the back guitar. guitar. Yeah, he he had a guitar that shot solid, uh, solid rays of musical notes. Yeah, and he and, fought a woman uh, he, that played a keytar that did the same yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> Melodia. Yeah, and and he had a mohawk and no wings of his own, which I always thought was bullshit. Well, he also had a mohawk um, and a cowboy hat, so he was like, he was like, I'm well, kind of country, like, but yeah, I like, like to rock. <laughs> yeah, bluegrass. <laughs> he hit his light under a bushel, right? Yeah. He should have been rocking that mohawk twenty four right. seven. And you like, you um, don't name the punk rock guy bluegrass and put him in a cowboy. Hat. <laughs> like, I know. What the <laughs> um, but all, uh, so silver silverhawks takes place in the limbo galaxy and they uh what's the name of the place where they live uh the their headquarters oh, i can't remember that uh, the, was it the airy the airy i want to say it was the airy but yeah. it was just thundercats something. in space that's all it was it was thundercats yeah. in space um but for some reason the limbo galaxy is full of air because not only can you talk but you can fall which makes no sense yeah. because there are also planets. Yeah, people get like punched out of their uh, ship, and they're just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, I, I heard somewhere maybe this is a Mandela effect thing too, but I thought there was a Silverhawks Thunder Thundercats crossover once. I don't think. so. I don't think there was. I, I feel like I feel like I would definitely have remembered that, but I again I, could I think be the wrong. two are so similar that it's easy to write that in your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because they were so close. That's all they were. And all they did was they were marketing toys and the toys were yeah. shitty. The toys, the toys were, were shitty. garbage. Oh, those damn foil wings. Oh, oh my God. The, like the Thunder, the Thundercats toys were actually cool. Yeah. Like they were over, they were oversized action figures. Right. And the Silverhawks, they were like, you've got six good months before all of this flakes off and you just have a plastic <laughs> figure. Yeah. Now, by the way, when it does flake off, don't let your child eat it. <laughs> like, You're right. We're not going to go into uh, why. Like, just don't do it. <laughs> I, like they, they, they wanted to, they wanted to be able to do the, you know, action thing where you squeeze their legs and their, their wings yeah. pop out. <laughs> and, and that would and break too. And you'd squeeze the legs and they'd go. Jonathan brings up tiger sharks, which so uh, Dave DeMarco and I are, are doing a cartoon podcast that we're still putting together. And our second yeah. season is going to be not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it's just going to be <laughs> other groups of animals. And tiger sharks is definitely one that we are going to dig into. Uh, tiger, tiger sharks was a little late for me. That was nineties. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, like silver Hawks. Yeah. I loved the silver. Hawks. Oh yeah. I loved them. Anyway, it was just like, just like he man. And Thundercats, the stories were dumb. They were straight up dumb. I would argue yeah, G.I. Joe and Transformers 
great cartoons and really well written and great characters and they knew what they were doing. These other well, ones, they just sort of put out cool looking characters and the kids wrote the stories in their head. You just sure. sort of like, you made these yeah. characters what they were. You watched the right, cartoon right. and you lied to yourself and you're like, yeah, that was cool. And then you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was no GI uh, Joe. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. He says he's not, uh, you, you said street sharks, Matt. He's talking about tiger sharks. Oh, tiger is, sharks. Different than street sharks. I was talking about, uh, so tiger sharks was another one and they were like the sea character. Well, I don't remember uh, which one was the one Vin Diesel really loved. Uh, Street that, that's oh, probably street, was that sharks. street sharks yeah 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 because tiger sharks was basically silver hawks underwater yeah it was the same there group. You go. yeah yeah it was the same people it was like yeah same damn thing uh, uh thank you for knowing fact, what i was talking about jd toy galaxy <laughs> has a video that you can watch about the history of tiger sharks and it's called it's kind of like wet thundercats <laughs> i'll put a link to that in the uh chat that's a good patrick one. Sa patrick says i don't think transformers is as good as you're remembering matt and i have to agree uh, i i will say this though at no least way. transformers and gi joe had story and right? they took because themselves they seriously trying. yeah they they yeah, took they themselves trying. seriously they, there were moments and stuff transformers look not every episode kicked ass no but characters died things happened yeah. you know sure yeah there, there was a progression yeah there was yeah exactly you know, and even I, like um, the bad guys like fought amongst each other and stuff whereas like thundercats every time they showed up they're like oh something evil's happening who could be doing it uh, it's right like, you it's think like it mumra. might be mumra i mean like the yeah. only guy that does uh, anything have, bad around here they have one villain i oh. mean but they, i mean i get they all only have one villain right it's the decepticons it's the, it's cobra right. whatever but, but the at, at least those like, were organizations yeah and there was infighting and stuff like cobra commander and destro never got along and destro was always like i'm gonna take over cobra you know or whatever and sh and then the like Serpentor showed up and threw everything in the, you know, it was great. <laughs> it yeah, was so I, great. I, I, I came to a realization a few weeks ago when I watched uh, Fate of the Furious that, you know, we joke about it's that it's the best G.I. Joe movie there is. No, Fast and the Furious movies are masks. Without the yeah, they are a mask. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing, the only thing missing is those cars transforming into other cars. Yeah, Wait pretty the much. Seasons, they're, right? like, they're also worn as, <laughs> sure, yeah. as many scantily clad women that were way into the mask dudes <laughs> hanging around. Yeah. You know? just, but I mean, I just had that realization when I saw the, the scene in Fate of the Furious when they're driving across the frozen lake and they've got right. the cars all like totally. Like, oh yeah, the, the cars form a force field to protect Dom from a nuclear explosion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, Which that's like, mask, baby. That's all it is. That's I mean, I guess I like I understand like. Look, guys, I get it. You have made the effort to explain that the nuclear submarine is not actually going nuclear. <laughs> However, it's still a nuclear submarine that exploded. But that was a bridge too far for the writers. You know, they, they were yeah. just like, okay, now hold on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, I mean, like, okay, or like, we'll have the cars circle up around Dom and protect him from the explosion. Right. Okay, fine. And you know they had what the, about the, that one what guy about that the radiation guys. What about the radiation? The one oh, guy no, that we, didn't we, get the radiation. He was like, "Fine, <laughs> they're going to space next episode. If we're not doing the radiation, then I'm putting them in space in the next one." <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, we got to put something in the script about how it's not radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise it's like the next episode is a heartfelt like opening where you know Tyrese like, right. is dying of cancer, <laughs> yeah. and, and we're exactly. saying goodbye. You know, like they're, they're like they've all they've all got shaved heads because their hair fell out <laughs> yeah. like oh boy so i had an answer to the question of the week and but, i i'm glad i saved it to the end of the call because 
Uh, it's it's naming someone we're not supposed to talk about anymore. Uh, it's fine. But, it's uh, fine. <laughs> so the question is, is like, what comic changed like the way comics are made in industry? Yeah. And I would say Stormwatch slash one hundred percent agree. Slash the authority with the whole idea of widescreen comics. Yes, exactly. absolutely. And I'll take it further than that too. The whole idea of not necessarily anti-hero, but heroes that aren't necessarily perfect at their job and yeah. are so powerful that they are dangerous. Yeah. And there was like there I can't remember what character it was, but it was in one of the Stormwatch books where like they show up to fight the bad guys and one of the bad guys is like you're drunk. You've been drinking. What kind of a superhero shows up drunk and like drunk dude looks at him and goes the dangerous kind, I guess. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, yeah, that pretty much sums it all up. Yeah, the, like, what, are you sure it was a male character? Cause that sounds like something Jenny Sparks. Would be. Yeah, probably Jenny. I, yeah. It may have been Jenny Sparks. Yeah. But like, that was what was so great about it. it there was so much nineties anti-hero shit that like, it just became this schlock. Like, oh, I'm not a good guy. I'm spawn. You're like, okay, spawn. I get it. But then like, you get these people who are good guys, but are also kind of shitheads. And, yeah. you know, like, aren't afraid to come and punch someone's head off as opposed to, like, Superman going, no, no, no. We just take right. them, you know, to, yeah, uh, I mean, to prison. It's not, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the idea that here are, here are people in a position of uh, power. Yeah. Authority, it's, if you will. Right. It's the logical um, extension of absolute power corrupts absolute. Yeah. Totally. And, and so that's kind of the whole point of the authority, right, is that it was the tail end of Stormwatch. And... Uh, Jenny and you know Jenny and her crew go to whoever and they're like we're doing a thing you'll never see us again yeah or you know something like that right there's a there's a scene where before the authority before Stormwatch ends and the authority begins where Jenny's like just fair warning things are about to be different right and then they go through a door and that's it and uh, and so it's the idea of these powerful people deciding to take matters into their own hands for what they feel are uh, are the right reason. Definitely. Yeah. And, and whether that, or not that's true, you know, is up to, you know. But that I also mean, formed like that Alan Moore Wildcats and the Warren Ellis Stormwatch stuff that kind of formed the entire Wildstorm you all of a sudden because before that it was just like hey it was flashy characters running around doing stuff and fighting aliens right you know like now it became this sort of sinister real world yeah like, there's a i mean i, I like i don't want to oh i was just gonna say i'd say ultimate marvel yeah. was marvel's version of wildstorm yeah yeah exactly definitely and i mean it's not like wildstorm at least by like the midpoint of the nineties, Wildstorm was doing kind of that real world stuff because they had like IO and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, Lynch and, and those guys, you know, and so they, they, they were putting that kind of real world um, espionage or whatever kind of spin on the superpower parts of the universe. But yeah, by the time, by the, by the time the authority started, yeah, then it be, then it became an actual like an allegory for like we're deposing dictators now, right? You know, yeah. and it's like Kaizen Gamora. He's a he's a genocidal maniac, and he he cannot be allowed to live. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a race of supermen, like uh, not, not not a race, an army. He's got an army of supermen. Yeah, like cybernetic supermen that thing. he's using as weapon as weapons of mass destruction. Like they obliterated London or wherever, uh, whatever the cities were. And he can't. He has to be ended. Yeah, nobody will end it. And like we're, the, we're the Justice League it. is not going to do that job. The Authority, will right? Do yeah, that exactly. Job, you yeah. know. Yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. Change not just that, but. After that, I think we saw Marvel and DC also kind of lean like, well, we got to make our guys a little more edgy, too. And maybe they should start making some like gnarly decisions and whatnot. (laughs) Well, it certainly like it it prompted responses. It it prompted a very strong response from DC. Yeah. uh, With uh, in regards to Superman, Uh, you know, uh, they did what's so funny about truth, justice in the American way. uh, The Joe Kelly story, which was excellent uh, about why Superman is still relevant in a world where you've got the elite, which are yeah. essentially the authority. Yeah. Um, and Marvel is like, you know what? No, they got it right. The ultimate universe is more like the authority. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> and, and even, even outside of the, like the narrative aspect of it, but I would say the visual aspect, the, the whole idea of like a Brian Hitch wide widescreen for sure. Uh, art style. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I mean like three panel pages and, you know, you know, yeah. every page of double splash. page spreads. Yeah. Yeah. And not in the nineties Jim Lee posing style, but in these wide vistas and like yeah, cinematic. Like, yeah. Like big it's like a, cinematic. Like, it's a scene. And, it's a scene from Armageddon where meteors yeah. are raining down on the city, except the meteors are Chinese supermen. Right. Yeah. And or, it's like, or, or I guess they're from and Gamora. It's like, sorry. It's like two, four, it's like two, two page spreads. So it's just like, you open it up yeah. and it's like, Oh shit. And then you turn the page. You're like, Oh shit. <laughs> like, it's even worse. You know? And then, enough, that also was around the time that there was the death of the onomatopoeia too. Yeah. Like they stopped doing sound. Yeah, effects. right. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, exactly. Like late nineties, like I would say mid nineties, we started getting captions instead of thought balloons. Right. And then by the by the end of the nineties, it's like we're not really seeing sound effects that often. Yeah, now right. it's more. It's just like it's all it's in our heads, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I totally agree. Like the the uh, the authority, the widescreen style of comic book storytelling, absolutely one hundred percent most changed definitely. the way comics were made for a long while. Yep. JD? Just, uh, quick, before I go, real quick, just to follow up on last week, I called it. Kelly Thompson won the Eisner for yep. Best New Series with Black Widow. Yep. Oh, great. That's awesome. And she totally so, deserved it. That was a hell of a list to pick from, though. It was, well, and well, I, yeah. I, did, I did read the first arc of her Black Widow in the interim. So. It's so good. Yeah. God, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. In fact, I didn't realize that there had been more. Was there like a COVID delay? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Yeah, I think because it, yeah. it like it, it ran through five, and then there's like a huge gap on Marvel Unlimited, and number six isn't on the app yet. So yeah, right. there's definitely more, and it was wonderful. JD, good to talk to you, man. Talk to you later. Have a good one, Bye, bud. We got one more in here. His name is Jimbo. We're bringing him a little early, but I like it. Jim, how are we today? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing excellent. Thank you. Screaming about toys. I mean, what what could be better? It's Saturday morning, and we're screaming about Saturday morning cartoons. Well, actually, these were like after-school cartoons and toys, but whatever. Yeah, so I will get to He-Man, you know, growing up with He-Man. I will watch it. I'm sure I will enjoy it. I, but to me, it's unspoilable. Like, I don't, I mean, no yeah, big right. revelations of He-Man. But yeah. that's fine. Okay, so we'll look at, I got some news, and the news will go into the question of the week. The, que- the, answer, the question of the week is, I think it's very good. Okay, so... The news, One Piece turned 24 this year, uh, this wow. past week, 24 years of publication, so that's uh, 
from 1997, uh, July 22nd was when it was first published. So JoJo's me- Bizarre Adventure has announced that it is ending this year. So JoJo's oh. Bizarre Adventure has been on for 34 years. Good God. So JoJo's is- Bizarre Adventure. Can we? Yeah. I yeah. tried. I really tried okay, because so- people tell me how great it is. And I tried reading it and I tried watching <laughs> it like Netflix has it on. And yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> like- <laughs> bizarre is not the right word like bizarre is not bizarre enough for what that fucking show is so So, the the way you look at jojo's it's divided into parts so we've had eight parts each part deals with a joe star so like part one is you know is the main character he dies then it's his son and then it's his son and then it's like an illegitimate son right it's like and and so forth and then at parts at part seven and, and eight he has split into a new universe and there's, and they're very good, but I understand. Cause like <laughs> a lot of people don't like part four. Um, well, just the first like part was like, so, I'm the one, good guy. Oh, I am Joe. I am Jojo. Like, Oh yeah. Jojo. <laughs> like, like, yeah, well, they were like these prim and proper British dudes and they like yeah. fought, but they had superpowers and part, I couldn't yeah, part. Okay. Part to, to, your, to your thing. Part one and two are not looked on favorably because it's like, what are you doing, dude? They were terrible. Like, they're terrible. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're not good. But part three, that that that's when it hits. That's when he finally figures out the formula. So how come this works in Japan where you can put out two completely very long parts, by the way, that are not looked at favorably? Okay, so we all agree part, suck. And here it is 34 years later. It's still going. <laughs> okay, so part, part one is 44 chapters. Part two is 69 chapters. And then it jumps to part three, which is. And then for the rest of them, they're all like 150. Jeez. So, so they're, they're giant. So total chapters right now is 955. That's 130 volumes. Good God. And then, well, and, and the question asks, why does it work? He started in the eighties. Okay. So, so eighties, Japan, like Japan, they have different, they like different things. They're like, Oh, what is this British? Is this how, this is how British people are. This is fantastic. But what a silly chap. And then, you know, it is so like sales were a hundred million more or less for Jojo's good Christ. A lot, a lot of people thought he would make one or another part because parts one through six are consistent. And so they think like it would be a trilogy seven, eight, but dude, 61. I mean, guy, guy, guy can rest, but the guy rest. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm okay with Jojo going away. It, it, it's no, just you, too weird for me. I couldn't do Jojo. It. It took me a while to get into it, but it, yeah, one in parts one, if you start with one and two, you're like, this is garbage. It was garbage. And it man, garbage. it's one of those things where don't watch it dubbed because dubbing oh, is God. so <laughs> bad. <laughs> it's so terrible. They're like supposed to be British, but they can't. It's, yeah. and this is not a knock on Asian people. That's not what I'm doing, but it's definitely Asian voice actors trying to do British accents. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> are they are they dubbed? Are they Asian voice actors? Because aren't uh, aren't a lot of uh, for the states aren't a lot of animes dubbed by American voice actors? I don't. I mean, I think a lot of them are very much Asian actors that just they have right there that speak English. English you know? English voice actors only probably in the past. I would say mid like two thousand five onward, they finally got like good. Voice actors. Before that, it was yeah. so hit and miss. Only the Dragon Ball uh, was had any good ones. Really. Yeah, like Cowboy so, Bebop is the one that sticks out of my head. It was like that was the first time where I felt oh, like yeah. this is definitely you know 
an American, not just English, but like that's an American voice actor. You can just tell by the way right. that like they're speaking and whatnot. They're, they're yeah. few and far between, but but now I, I, they they at least take it more. Before they weren't taking it seriously, yeah. But now they do because they mm. feel like because you're more respected now. I guess would be the way. Sure, sure. Okay. And let's see uh, other news. Dragon Ball movie, a new movie announced for spring of next year. Can't wait. I'm I'm, I'm so far behind. <laughs> well, no, the, the 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 anime stopped. So people thought the anime would return, but we're just getting movies. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, who knows why? But this leads me to the question of the week, and Dragon Ball is my answer. Dragon Ball distorted what manga has become since it's released. And what I mean by that is the power scaling just went out of crazy control. Because Dragon Ball, people don't know, it was never really planned. Like, he just, like, they just kept shoving him money, like, okay, I guess I'll do a new arc, so I gotta make the characters even more powerful. Right. So, the, the, the problem is that they're so strong, you know, when you're watching, you know, they could, a punch could kill a planet. Yeah. And that is just translated into these people that, oh, this guy's faster than light, and it drives me nuts. Like, you're not <laughs> than causality it drives me <laughs> crazy when i read something I'm like oh my god it's a light technique and he dodges it I'm like no 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 well it to be me. fair when the flash does that he travels time you know yeah but everybody like uh, uh, <laughs> Jim, man, listen, like, what you're doing listen to what you're doing to poor jim <laughs> yeah but no one travels in time everyone is just like i'm just a little more faster but this guy's light speed right oh, this guy's faster than light speed it's like it, but that's like yeah it's like if everybody right it's like if if why isn't uh, why does that one go to 11 why don't you just make 10 ladder and and, and make that the highest sure well this right. one goes this one goes to 11 but that's also it's dragon like, ball and this is what dragon ball is always done like okay, okay. but like, it hasn't though but Goku, obviously according to hero. jim it's not what they've always done it, no totally the, 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 the problem is that people think that that's what people like and so every character has to go through giant huge power upgrades right like you know look, naruto just, i think most people watch naruto in the beginning these people are relatively understandable power but at the end of the series they, they can more or less blow up the moon like yeah like so what i understood care. like naruto was just like a ninja kid right and yeah. then by the end of the series he's like superhuman like superman level no, power, no, no yeah right? he's yeah Outside of being able to fly, yes, he, he, yes. And like, if you watch like anime death battles, they do all these calculations. Like, that's not the point, not to calculate because he did this, that he could blow up the, the planet. Yeah. Like, uh, it drives me nuts. You're getting into comic book fights there where it's just like, <laughs> it, it, like, no. I know, come on. I know, but it, that's, that's what drives me nuts. And that's what Dragon Ball did. Yeah. Dragon Ball took the power scaling and just it drives me nuts. Okay. So that same thing is happening in American comics as well. And I think it came over from manga ideas i think it absolutely because before it's like well thor was this strong and superman was this strong whatever and occasionally they do something where like oh well superman's got to move the planet so he'll just push on it and you know like oh i guess he's that strong but then that was the silver silver age was different yeah no but i mean like i'm talking way more modern now you it's like start doing things with the characters like look at donny kate's thor for example all of a sudden he has the Odin power and he's super powered up. And then Galactus gives him power cosmic. And now he's more powerful than Galactus and stuff. And like, he's still on the Avengers. So why, <laughs> why do the Avengers lose any fights? You know? <laughs> well, I, okay. Now I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but I just finished not too long ago, uh, rereading, uh, Jason Aaron's Thor. Right. Uh, I had never read it all the way through. I just, I, I finally sat down and I read it from start to finish. And Jason Aaron's Thor, even 
even back in the whenever that got its start in the what mid aughts or something like uh, that. Yeah. 2011. I don't know. It, it, it was a long time ago. Um, like eight, eight, nine years ago, it started. And, uh, that dude is doing crazy things. Like that Thor is doing, he's not just like, I'm as strong as the Hulk sometimes. Oh, no, no, it's like, no, you're like altering creation. Right. And, and that's yeah. like, okay, well, I mean, I guess if anyone's going to do it, it's Thor, but like now it's, he's a God. Now it's, now yeah. it's a regular, now it's on, now it's a regular occurrence. Right. right. Totally. Uh, but and, look at, look at Venom. Like same thing. We just like, when, yeah, right. when that Venom series started, he was Venom and like, there was something weird going on with Venom. And by the end of it, now he is a space God that speaks to like Venom's all over the universe and that's the progression of, of that character arc, which is, which is fine. But yeah, like I, like the last thing I want is for like Spider-Man to start like throwing around, uh, tanks and shit. Right. Like, he's strong. Yes. He can catch a Volkswagen beetle. Right. I, right. But right. the, 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 the dude, he's got a limit, right? He can't like take a punch from the Hulk and be okay. Yeah, not I mean, like a full like not like a full power punch from the Hulk. He's not that strong. Right, right. So that, um, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. It just it drives me nuts. And like the one thing that One Piece, we're over a thousand chapters of One Piece. The one thing that One Piece does is power escalation is so minimum. Like the strongest people in that in that universe after a thousand chapters can barely destroy half a mountain. Like it is what so a weenie. Well, and there's only like two or three people that can do that. And right. So when you see them, it's like, oh crap. But the, it, and when you do that, you're allowing the side characters to continue the journey. Right. So like in, Dra- yeah, in Dragon yeah, Ball, yeah, exactly. Right. Goku and Vegeta. And that's you, just you don't get that with anyone else. Right. Because you end up in this zero sum game where it's just right. like, okay. You know, if like, everybody's that powerful, then nobody's that powerful. Right. Jeff Johns, Green Lantern. He wrote himself into that place where we right. just kept going like, all right, there's another color problem. It's another color problem. It's another everyone, color problem. Everyone, everyone has a magical. Yeah. yeah. We've everyone all has got the a, same everyone colors. Everyone has you know? a magical wishing ring that can do whatever they want. Right. And, yeah. yeah, right. Um, so DC, uh, DC typically is characterized by having characters that are more powerful than Marvel's, just, uh, just as mm-hmm. like a baseline. Um, and that's just how it is. You know, it's not a, it's not a, they don't like, it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, and then in the, in the nineties, uh, Grant Morrison relaunched the justice league, uh, in 1996. And, uh, he, for a while there, the justice league was populated by, um, characters. uh, Let's just put it, let's just put it, uh, nicely. You probably haven't heard of them. Yeah. Uh, for a long, long time, that's what the C-list Justice League list characters, definitely. You're right, and so Grant Morrison was like, "No, the Justice League needs to be the best of the best." And so it was Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, The Flash. Right. You know, it was the Big Seven, Martian Manhunter, and uh, you know, like all the icons. And so it's like, okay, well, that's great. There, there should be very few problems that the JLA aren't up to the task uh, to 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 meet. Uh, and then you've got Batman. <laughs> Yeah. No, like look, and I like who like I love Batman. Everybody loves Batman. But the joke became Grant Morrison essentially turned Batman into a human god. Oh yeah. Like like he made Batman the most capable person on the planet uh, to the extent that like given enough time, like given enough notice, Batman could prepare for a fight with anybody and win. Yeah. 
Like he beat gods, yeah. literally beat gods. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like uh, there's a there's a there's a storyline called Rock of Ages. Uh, it's it's Grant Morrison's like second or third long storyline on the book, and essentially the story is Darkseid comes to Earth, uh, or pardon me, uh, Lex Luthor has reformed the Injustice League. Uh, he's got an all powerful artifact. Uh, the Justice League stops him, and it. Uh, opens the door for Darkseid to take over the earth and it gets really bad. And in the future, they reveal that Batman um, not only survived years of torture at the hands of Darkseid's main torture guy in an inescapable prison, by the way, in an inescapable <laughs> fiery hell prison. Yeah. <laughs> he replaced the guy without anybody ever knowing it. So like Batman was playing the long game over like 30 years where he like took this guy's place and then and then opened the door for the uh, the the future Justice League to make things right. And it's like, OK, look, <laughs> I get it. But yeah, yeah can you just say God, the streets of Gotham like I. Yeah, like Batman is a Batman is a man. Well, and that's the other thing. Okay. It's like, He's OK, so Batman does that. Batman beats this god and we all go holy shit that's amazing wow I can't believe how cool that looked now what does that do when Batman goes back to Gotham does Batman killer croc shows up but and Batman's just like <laughs> yeah yeah are you kidding me you know like oh and, no and, there are murders in the sewer whatever will I do right and like uh, there's uh, uh, hold on uh, commissioner gordon hold on i have to go punch dark side in the dick real quick <laughs> yeah like uh, there's, there's there has to be ramifications there and you can't just right. keep like ramping up and ramping up and ramping up because then when they return to where they came from it's a bit ridiculous you know yeah like, and I, so, I think there's like, a question here i feel like there there's definitely a question of the week here you know like maybe, worst yeah. example uh, of power leveling or something uh, oh my gosh that would so, be great. i think so we should Graham, do that Grant Morrison came, Grant Morrison was obsessed with the idea of like the Justice League being an allegory for like the, the Greek pantheon. Right. And so, yeah, he populated it with characters that represented gods and, yeah. and, you know, that's one way to do it. But also when you have a team with people with actual godlike abilities, right. Let's just be more realistic about the one normal guy. Okay. Yeah. You know, like I love, I love no, Batman I'm not saying I want to be like, let's go justice league. And he's like, I twisted my ankle. Hold on. <laughs> right. It's like when, when you have to pay like, and I don't, I don't want to, I know Patrick's listening and I don't want to like, uh, uh, offend him in any way, but like, for a while there, they were trying so hard to make Aquaman palatable right. to people that didn't already like him. Or thought he was a joke. Right, yes. And, like, I love Aquaman. I, I, but the, Everybody loved like, Aquaman. I don't think uh, that was the issue. Yeah, right. Because people are like, like okay, I fucking hate Superman. It's, it's just whatever. But no, nobody's no, no. like, it, I hate Aquaman. They'd just be like, well, Aquaman's stupid. Right. <laughs> you know? and, but, and so it's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. You know how he talks to fish, right? Well, everyone's got that part of their brain. Yeah. And so it's like, if Aquaman really wanted to, he could have mind control powers. It's like, shut up. Yeah. Settle Get down. Get out of town. Settle Just down. stop it. Aquaman is cool <laughs> enough already. Okay? Right. Just ride him better. We don't like, I don't need a thing where all of a sudden like Aquaman can like make all the crabs in the ocean, make a giant crab outfit that he wears and he can punch, <laughs> you know, like. 
that's why not? That's kind of dumb. I would actually you know? really, like, uh, <laughs> editor, editors know what I would actually oh really. Know that. <laughs> all right, fine. Oh. <laughs> I should be writing Aquaman. There we go. We all <laughs> learn. <laughs> but yeah, like Jim, you're not wrong. American comics do it too, and it's just like, well, if you're gonna do this, then look out, we're gonna do this. Jim, you just like, got the yeah, question of the week. Right. We're doing it next week. We're gonna do a power level. I, I don't know how to phrase it, but we'll. Figure I've it already out. got it. I got to figure it out. It's gonna be great. Yeah, that, yeah, it's a great question. It just, yeah, it just gets me up. This rustles me up. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, not uh, well, we, we you cannot. No, be no, it's silly. Not. But comic books, Jim, settle down. You can because comics. So there you go. It's good to talk yeah. to you, man. Always. Yeah. Michael Severe popped in here. His hand's not up, but I'm gonna. I'm just gonna unmute him. Anyway Jim's hand wasn't up either. So I'm just getting. Yeah, it was. Michael, I didn't see. It are yet. you there? And do you want to talk to us? I am here. I was, I was just listening in. Oh, okay. um, yeah. But I, we're just, we're, we're cleaning the house. My uh, grandma's coming to visit. So we, it's a, it's one of those things where we're just purging and cleaning. Well, but, but I, I did want to, from my, you know, I listen usually uh, tape delayed or whatever, but um, the people that don't like tape delayed, um, this isn't football, Michael. Yeah. You know, <laughs> tape delayed. I, I listen to it later. He's old um, school. I'm old I don't know all yeah, the slang. Give him a you, break. You, you, <laughs> He's been in this business um, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Um, so like the, the people who don't like exposition, they drive me crazy. And I don't, I don't know everybody's names that comes on the show, but the people that think things go too slow because they explain, um, I don't understand those people. I, I tend Man. to agree and we, we won't name names, but I, I tend to agree. Yeah. And Wait, I think did that come up, did that come up today. No, he's just talking no, 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 about this is old. That's what I was saying. Oh, it's old. Oh, this, gotcha. is from, this is from the last joke. two weeks yeah. where people complained about Loki and, or the last, well, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah gotcha. Or, sure. Right. Uh, just the whole Loki thing. Cause I, I, those are my favorite episodes. I love maybe like each other opposed to all of a sudden in 15 minutes, you have a guy who's a Jedi who's been already dedicated to the Jedi order. Yes. And all of a sudden, you know, killing somebody and you're like, well, how did that happen so fast? Yeah. I like the idea of a little yeah. bit of exposition. I like that. It, 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 I enjoy it. And so for people who don't like that in Loki, I'm sorry. We need more of that in television. Uh, That's I, why Netflix and Amazon are winning. Totally they do agree. More shows like that. I totally agree. I, I, and otherwise, that, you're in a CW show. And that's one of my main problems with the CW shows. It's like they try to do everything so fast and throw these characters in and get them in a suit. And, oh, look who's on the show next week. And they're like, oh, my God, that hero's here now, too. And like, oh, we don't even know anything about it. It doesn't matter. They're great. And they're, they're super sweet. Oh, it turns out there might be a bad guy. You're know, like, take it easy, CW show. Breathe. You talk don't, tell listen, us something you don't know what you're talking about the flash they, was they, fighting they, with lightsabers <laughs> last week joe patrick okay, don't no, like, tell no, me that, i don't know what i'm talking about that was yes that was dumb but you're also you saw something on the internet don't tell me you watched that episode of the i flash, watched it I after i saw that, that on the internet i watched it and went this sucks <laughs> but uh yeah i mean last week's episode was bad like you're not gonna you're not gonna get any uh argument from me but the cw shows they absolutely explain all of these new characters that come onto the I'm show. I'm not saying it's Star Girl is Star Girl was good. I'm saying it's yeah, Star Girl was girl. Star Girl was really good. But you gotta uh, admit it's a different kind of exposition than what we got well, in because a show I like think Loki that we are I think we need Vision. to Yes, yeah, so, but taking it back to Loki because that's what Michael was calling about. Yeah yeah. Uh I think that we're so used to thinking of TV as episodic when really what Marvel Studios is doing is releasing move long movies broken up into chapters. Yes. And, uh, and it's like watching a chapter of a DVD a week, you know, and, and I understand, yes, they're episodic, uh, they are episodes and these episodes do need to stand on their own, but really 
Loki is meant to be viewed as one thing. Yeah. Most definitely. And that's and so it's fine if you want to say that like it there was a lull in the middle. Yeah, okay, fine. But I agree. I I liked that. Yeah. I liked to hear I want to know the history of the TVA. I want to then learn the next week that the history of the TVA is bullshit. Yeah. And then the week after that, I want to hear the guy that's definitely not Kang explain what's going to happen when Kang shows up <laughs> for, for 45 minutes. Yeah, like, totally. I, like, I oh, love all of that stuff. That I so love good. all of that yeah. stuff. That was so good. That was oh, so good. I give yeah. him an Emmy just for that 25 minutes of him talking. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, he was tremendous. I was right was there. So that performance, and, he's, and he just the way that he subtly changes through it like at first he's kind of crazy and he's doing his thing then he's a little scary at one point and then he's excited about some stuff and then he's like gently guiding them and they get to this place and he gets legit scared or he just stops and he's like okay up until about 10 seconds ago felt really good about all this and knew exactly what was happening like now yeah Whoop. Uh, so well, um, try try this try jumping up on your desk yeah. and then jumping off as smoothly as he did yeah, no doubt. athletic too yeah, He's an yeah. definitely he came up that desk, i was like Woo, uh, that yeah guy? man like that so, was no wire kung fu there he just jumped up on the desk <laughs> it was smooth to, to, nerd, to nerd out real quick for a second i read a theory and uh, i'll float it past you guys um, uh, joe one real quick michael if you've got to go because you got to clean no, 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 no. Okay, I want to, I want to ask you one more thing before you guys finish okay. up with this. So let me, let me, let me mention this theory that I heard. Uh, so that, that scene in the, in the finale with um, Jonathan majors, where mm -hmm. there's that moment where he's like, Oh, something's different. I don't know what's going to happen anymore. And that's, that's the branching of the timeline, right? right. That's the, that's the multiverse being created. Uh, Somebody, uh, people think, oh no, this it, it happened as a result of the multiverse got created because Sylvie kills him, right? But it what it happens before that, where he has that he has that moment where he's like, we've crossed the threshold, right? I don't know what's going to happen, and people are saying that if you um, that it kind of lines up with Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch in the final episode of WandaVision. I did see that theory. Yeah. And so the, what actually broke the, the, what broke the timeline into the multiverse was not, uh, Sylvie killing Immortus. It was Wanda becoming the Scarlet Witch. Read, read that too. And they said it's because she wasn't in the plans. Nothing powerful was in his hand. And so it happened beyond the the view of being able to catch it with the TVA. Right. And so it was so surprising that she became that powerful that they all missed it. And yeah. then that's what branched off the, the yeah. timeline. I and, and, and I love, I love that idea. I love the idea that it's like, Oh, and, and it also explains why one is in Dr. Strange too. Yeah. You know, it like it, like it sets up all this stuff. It's not, it's, it's about more than just the magic stuff. It's about the fact that the reason there's a multiverse is because Wanda lost it right and she's stupid and, powerful yeah. and altering reality like not and probably i have a feeling you're gonna get to a point where they could say no this isn't magic she is just straight up altering oh, reality yeah, and, with and power. their their main uh their main uh bit of evidence is that in the in the very end of wandavision where she's in her cabin uh you hear her uh, she's like she's like uh doing something with the dark hold right she's uh reading through the dark hole, there's swirly yeah. magic going on and she hears the voices of her children that no longer exist. Yeah. 
Which means that's an alternate timeline. Maybe. Right? She's lis- she's listening in on an alternate timeline Maybe. or something. Yeah. Michael, yeah. you want to ask us a question? Yeah, one thing. So I just started watching, and I know you're not big on a lot of the TV stuff, Matt, but I started watching Titans, right? I went through the first season of Titans. I watched Titans. Watched it with one of my kids. And so I really like it. But a great example of not having enough exposition is all of a sudden you're like, they're talking about the old Titans. Yeah. And it comes yeah, out of nowhere. Right. And yep, you're like, yes. what, are you, what the hell are you? Because he's talking to Bruce all of a sudden. He's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about the old Titans, San Francisco. And you're like, okay, I know about the, the cartoon. Are we talking about the cartoon Titans? That's- and then all of a sudden they're back at this office and there's the old Titans where their suits yeah. went. That's, see, that's the thing where you got in a, they got in a hurry and they were just trying to get to they it. They got and lazy. So, yes. They skipped an episode or something. And that show- in, uh, was that in the, uh, season two, Michael? It's or, the beginning of season two. Yeah. Yeah. So right. Season so one I, ends weirdly, right? Season one ends, right. season two begins with them easily killing this guy. Right. Trigon, right? Or whatever that guy is. He dies like in a minute. Trigon was like, not it. a problem. That's all he got. Yeah. yeah right. Trigon, <laughs> that's my problem. Like, I didn't dislike the Titan show. I liked some of what they did way more than I thought I was going to, but yeah. they got lazy in the writing. <laughs> they definitely did. Where they're just um, like, oh, yeah, we'll just mention this thing. And there you go. I mentioned it. So it happened, well, right? And all the nerds would be like, like, I remember that. Like, remember what? Where are we? I don't, I don't know that they got, <laughs> I don't know if I agree that they got lazy in the writing so much as that they were course correcting. Like, season two too is uh michael you're just getting started so i won't spoil yeah. anything yeah. but um season two is much better it is markedly better like, well, they have more money holy, i bet holy smokes. that's what happens they don't give you a lot of money for pilots they don't give a lot of money for first season yeah you get picked up they go oh let's amp, amp up the money so yeah. we're very excited about watching the second season hey when they, you you start bringing in you know, like these random characters. I like that. I, I'm no problem with I it. I was just like, but like, there needs to be a reason. Give me a bottle episode about the guy. You know, yes. give me, give me something to explain. Yes. Right. You can't yeah. don't do just, it talking dub. I appreciate that. Right. That don't good. just do right. it. So I can be like, so you, uh, you throw a name out there and the nerds will be like, Oh, whoa, I heard him say that. You know, like <laughs> that, that does nothing for us anymore. The, all, how many X-Men movies did we get where they mentioned someone's name that you never saw, you know, or wasn't the correct character or whatever. And you're like, yeah, they didn't even mention it, Matt. They would put it in a piece of paper. Yeah. Or yeah, a totally. shot of the paper and you see Gambit's name in there. Yeah. Like, it was, he was oh. on a, he was on a computer screen in X-Men. Yeah. His name was on a computer yeah. screen in X-Men three or something. Stupid. And you're um, like, Oh, oh dude. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. So season one, Titan season one, they did this story long arc about Raven and Trigon and it's not yeah. very interesting and it's no. not very good. And then they went, we got to get out of this. All right, Trigon's dead. <laughs> right, it, right. And it's it's too damn dark for its own good. And then they remembered, oh, the Titans are fun. Yeah. And they were like, and then they, they, they very quickly like introduced the idea that Dick had a team before these new kids, which is very in line with the comics. Was this before or after he uh, trained to become a detective and like was a cop? This is after like- he trained... <laughs> Yeah, was this before he was a cop? Or because realize he became you become an officer, so yeah. you go through yeah, no, basic. yeah, right, right. Then after basic, you become a normal cop. Yeah. Then you have to take the track detective's license. Usually three years after being right. a police officer, we're talking years yeah, right. of this. Like, when and, does all this happen? And Dick Grayson looks like he's like Doogie Hauser cop. Like he's like yeah. well, he's like twenty four, yeah. twenty five. He's at, way at too least young. When, <laughs> at least when Dick Grayson became a cop in the comics, he was just a beat cop. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, like, no, no, he was like the youngest detective in the history yeah, they of the They didn't make him department. Detective Grayson or anything. He was just a yeah, cop. Right. He was a he was a beat cop. Uh yeah. And so yeah, the, the second season of Titans is is more about like Dick reconnecting with his old friends and with and his new friends are there. 
Okay. And it's a much it's a much better season. Um, I hope you guys like it. Uh, it's a lot more fun for one thing. It's a, well. It's I'm a hoping it, you know the, the first one was very bloody. It was almost yeah, I felt no. too bloody for the twelve year old. Yeah. Um. And hey, the f bombs. You no, know, they hear those here at the house, so Fair I'm not enough. worried about those. But the yeah, other yeah. stuff, they hear them on know, cover to cover, cover too. So <laughs> yeah, they hear it on cover to cover constantly. Yeah, so they hear, they yeah, hear yeah. worse on cover to cover. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah. So yes. To answer your question, this took place before he became a detective and also before he fucked Batman. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Way to go with the F-bomb. Right, sorry, he said, he, no, I'm no sorry, he said, he said, he said F-bomb. <laughs> Michael, uh, sorry, good to talk to you, man. Crossed. Go clean your house. All right. Your grandma's coming all over. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Try to be Bye. respectful over there. She's all a right. nice lady. All right. All right. <laughs> Miss Branch, get Peter Parker on the phone. Yes, Mr. Jameson. All right. Voicemail time in the damn ziggurat. Loki was so great, guys. It was the best of the shows so far. Let's go straight and into it. <laughs> Micah, I like where your head is at, but that open your eyes, if you guys haven't already figured that out by now, that's Sylvie talking to Loki after they've charmed what my son Conan uh, likes to call. Yes, we had not seen from that Moana. It happens in that episode. It's not the X-Men. I'm very uh, sorry. The creature from that. Moana, yes. Next, uh, did you guys see all that nonsense about the how they changed subtly the end of WandaVision? Why do you think they did that? You guys also said you would recommend some Moon Knight. I just read his first appearance from Werewolf by Night, and it was very interesting. <laughs> the characters yes, it is. was created to fight werewolves, and I know that's not what he does anymore. So, well, uh, I yes want to know no. what's recommended reading. There was recently a sale in Comixology, um, and I didn't buy anything. I meant to ask you before the sale was over. I just didn't get to it and um they had like stuff from when he was in hulk magazine which i was very interested in sure um but all i've read is uh fish of conchu the bendis stuff and the ellis couple volumes there that's it that's my exposure to the character what's recommended reading you'll probably go over this again when the show comes out but i want to know now pushers push me next Finally, my question, I've got a question of the week. You guys were talking about the human target and I loved the Vertigo series. That's all I ever read. The, uh, Peter Milligan and then it was drawn by Edvin Bukovic, yeah, who is an amazing talent. That, I, I love that guy's work. He did a couple different Grendel tales over at Dark Horse yeah. as well as X-Wing Rogue Squadron. And it's, it's, it's just gorgeous work. I don't think that guy got enough exposure before he passed away. And I didn't know he died. That's my question of the week. Who do you think should have gotten more exposure? What creator, writer, artist, Ooh. whatever? Who deserves a bigger audience and never got one? I like that. Oh, that's a great question. Did we already ask this question once? I think we asked something similar, I'm, but no. Probably killed those It would have been cells, years ago, so, though. Uh, a bye. 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 Willie Toots, ladies and gentlemen, who did not introduce himself, but that was in fact Toots time. Uh, so yeah, gosh, you didn't even say that was Toots time. No. Um, so to answer your Moon Knight question, Toots, we did comic pushers in the last review show. The comic Check pushers that shit out. just pushed you, and Moon Knight definitely supernatural uh, fighter. That's what that's his job. He beats right. up the supernatural. Well, and this t uh, this time around with the new Moon Knight number one, uh, I know you're not necessarily reading uh, weekly floppies these days, but the new Moon Knight number one, he's kind of like back to his roots. Yeah. 
And uh, I I have heard really great things about those old Hulk magazine stories. Uh, so I would snap those up. I have never read those, and I've heard they're, fa- they're I've fun. I've never and read anything from the old Marvel magazines yeah. ever. And I don't they, know, like, except for I've I've read some Savage Sword of Conan, but that's different. I don't know if they're um, in pr- a lot of them are in print even. Well, he was just talking about he saw uh, there were some collections of the stuff on Comixology. Oh, that's and neat. I would say like yeah, snap it up, dude. That's snap neat. it up. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, don't listen to my Moon Knight recommendations because mine were dumb. They're a weak <laughs> style. Vengeance, I... of Ven- Vengeance of the Moon Knight is good, but Round Robin, the sidekick's revenge, I will fully admit, it's it's my first exposure to Moon Knight. It's not a good story. You already qualified that on the show. Don't worry. <laughs> well, right. He obviously didn't listen. Frank Cirillo. Hey, guys. It's Frank sending in his MP3 this week because, well... I'm not going to be around again. Um, glad I called in last week from Florida, but you know, I just had plans this weekend. We're not going to be around and I won't be able to call in live. Um, I just wanted to say, Hey, thanks for picking my, my question. Um, that's awesome. Thank you. I I'm honored anyway. So let's, uh, You're welcome. you know, get into it. Um, when my friend kind of mentioned this to me, he said, yeah, I think, I think that dark Knight's kind of ruined comic uh, comic books. Um, and it was like, what? what What do you mean? You know, it's, this is a comic book that changed the course of comics. It made it accessible for adults. It made it so that, you know, you could tell this really great, gritty, long form story that, oh, right. Kids wouldn't like. Okay. So yeah, uh, I actually totally agree with him. I love the story. I think it's fantastic, but it really, you know, made the comic book industry like take notice and turn around and was like, well, we're not going to do this anymore. Um, and it, same thing with like Watchmen. Watchmen was the same way. Yeah. But uh, you know, let's get into it. My question, my answer to my question is the comic book that changed comics for, for me, uh, that I, that I saw like a big change was something back in the two thousands was what a comic book called sojourn. And, um, it had this great, highly illustrated style. Greg and Land. Highly, it was very photographic, you know, and then it came out that, you know, the artist Greg Land was literally just swiping stuff. And I was like disappointed with that. But oh, cross that sort of sojourn. paved the way okay. for mm-hmm. the Avengers Ultimate comic. And I think what the Ultimates did was the Ultimates not only influenced, heavily influenced the MCU, but it also influenced comics in general where they took it to a different sort of level and they had to make everything sort of photorealistic looking. And and to me, that sort of took away from the whole aesthetic of comics, that the, the whole beauty of comics, of being able to open up a book and look at the artwork and go, oh, I know who that artist is. Yeah. You know, because you'd open up a George Perez book and know it's George Perez. Or you'd open up, you know, Fantastic Four and know it's, or Superman and know it was John Byrne. Um, you'd open up the Hulk and know it was Sal Buscema or Herb Trimpey. Totally. Uh, you know, stuff like that, which, which was, which is something that I think got lost in that whole highly rendered photographic style okay frank's at 245 so i'm gonna cut him off but let's talk about this yes i 100 uh, re- agree that when we got into that greg greg land ryan horn was another one where greg they horn so you're pardon me of? greg horn who were literally tracing pictures of people uh, so all right let's back it up here sojourn came out in 2004 right 
uh, it was a it was a cross gen comic, uh, which was a, a, a short lived publisher uh, back in the early two thousands. Greg Land and Ron uh, Mars wrote it. There were a, a lot of huge name creators signed on with Sojourn uh, with uh, CrossGen uh, for reasons we don't need to discuss right now. Uh, but the saga of CrossGen is a whole nother thing that we could devote an episode to. Oh, dude, uh, that's going to be a cosmic long box. Definitely. We'll, we'll oh, do a cross. Yeah, sure. That's, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, back in the day, Greg Land drew like, for realsies. Yeah. Greg Land was and, a really good we artist. Loved, we loved Greg Land. Yep. And I would say that like, I think I would even say that even, even as, as later, as late as Sojourn, he was still doing a lot of the work on his own. Now, when he came back to Marvel, that's when he got gnarly, when he came to Marvel and it's like, you've drawn the, you have traced a Victoria's secret model and made her look like Emma Frost. Yeah. Like that when it became obvious, then it's like, Oh, I see. That's when Greg Land kind of got a reputation. Yeah. But back but back then Greg Land I think was still, you know, kind of firing at least on most of his cylinders. Right. Um now uh Sojourn also came out in 2004, The Ultimates came out in 2002. So, um that kind of photorealistic uh, you know, this this character looks like an actor. That's like a, that's a very Brian Hitch thing. Well, but that was Brian Hitch like drawing things a certain way. Well, I, I think what he's talking about is more of like when they were literally No, like, he's talking about no, he's he that he's talking about two separate things. He's talking about like the tracing, which is a a, a separate artistic crime. But direct photo referencing basically. But what? he's he's talking about a photorealistic style okay, where yeah. where everything looks everything looks as real as possible. Yeah. Like photo as opposed to like if you look at a Sal Buscema comic. Yeah. Or a Herb Trimpey comic John or Romita a Jack Jr. Kirby comic. Or, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, like it's it's very stylized. Yeah. But you look at a Brian Hitch comic, you look at a Brian Hitch comic and it's like, oh, this is a Brian Hitch comic. But Brian Hitch's thing is drawing yeah. very realistically. Right. And I do agree that it had a huge impact and it be, and it became a style. Yeah. And it got uh, it, be, it became a popular style. Oh, it got bad. It got so bad. And like some artists are very good at it. Brian Hitch is very good at it. Greg Land has to trace. Yeah. And Greg Horn, look, I'm I like I I hate to speak in these terms, but Greg Horn, I think, was bad for comics. There, remember when there were people like, that like put up the like porn reference that he would use? Like, here's yeah. the naked woman. We found her. We found the picture of the naked woman that he used to be rogue. You know, like or, on this Electra and put yeah, them whatever, side by yeah. side, and like he just literally like put clothes on her. All that's like, all he did I don't was like, know, like I don't know like I don't understand what early 2000 like I don't know if it was a Bill Jemis thing because there's no Bill Jemis was this uh, was the president of Marvel or the publisher of Marvel yeah in the early 2000s when Joe Casada was editor in chief and that era of Marvel can best be characterized by the philosophy fuck it yeah we're giving up on the comics code. We're doing what we want. We don't even care. Yeah. And and that's that led to a lot of great artistic things it also led to shit like marvel and Ugh. greg horn covers and Ugh. uh like super cheeky hollywood insider stories about craven the hunter by uh hollywood screen nobody wants that yeah nobody nobody thinks that's fun no it's garbage like making get shorty references in a comic book about craven the hunter is stupid right 
And uh, like, I, I, like, I find it hard to believe that Joe Casada, editor in chief and tremendous artist in his own right, looked at those Greg Horn covers and went, yep. Yeah. These are winners. Yeah. It, it's it, silly. it sucks. It's terrible. Yeah. I've uh, got a Google voice here. John Devil's Advocate is who Google Voice thinks called us. <laughs> hey, it's John, Devil's Advocate. Ah. So I was listening to last week's show, or maybe it's the week before. Uh, I might be a little behind. Um, and I haven't got through the episode, so apologies if you guys talked about it more in the show. But you guys were talking about uh, Wild Dog and, and DC and Azzarello turning them into one of the you know January 6th yeah. uh, uh, stormers of the Capitol and stuff. And one of the big things was, is you guys said, you know, why didn't they just reach out and ask the creators, is it okay? And I, I think a lot of that assumption was the creators were going to be like, fine, sure, go ahead with it. But what That's if they right. had said no? Then what you, if they had you said no? Do, do they, does DC or SRL just keep moving on to the next character? I, I'm, you know, I'm just genuinely asking you guys, like, uh, like that book would, you know, never come out if nobody wanted that associated with their character, right? Um, so, you know, do you guys have like thoughts and feelings on that or should DC have just been like, well, you don't want that, but here's some money. And so, I mean, like, right. it kind of goes back to like the Rob Leefield thing where, uh, shit, I can't remember the character. Uh, the one with two swords, that was an X factor where he was kind of upset that, that they made the character anything other than asexual. Now there was probably the slant of it being a homosexual character and you can get into all that, but like. I, I know a lot of people were like, shut up, Rob, shut the fuck up. Like, it's not your character anymore. And so, like, I think there's this weird, like, uh, uh, division where if we like the character or we don't, or, or if we like the characters and creators or we don't know anything about them and we just kind of want to, like, jump on the anti-DC thing or anti-Marvel or, or whatever, um, it's just so easy to, you know, to, but I, I think we need to support those creators' rights, whether we like those creators or if we don't like those creators. 100, yeah. Um, and kind of jump on there. I don't know really what I'm trying to say. I'm just throwing some things out there, maybe to, like, <laughs> stoke some conversation for this week or next week or something. So, anyways, uh, I will talk to you guys later. Love the show. Uh, bye. We love you. I know you, exactly what you're trying to say, and he, you're 100% right. So, here's, here's what it boils down to, uh, and I think that the creators admitted as much. Uh, in in that talk about wild dog it's that dc does not care right uh like dc could dc would say to brian azarello okay look you can't make superman a proud boy yeah right uh, you know th that then they would care right right um wild dog dc doesn't care dc no. doesn't give a shit about wild dog so when it comes down to asking a creator whether or not they're cool that's on Azarello, like that's something Azarello does if he wants to. I totally agree. Right? And I, and I, I have heard other instances where creators want to take a character and do something different, and they, out of respect, would go to somebody more, uh, more closely associated with that character and say, "Hey, I have this idea. Do you think that's okay?" Yeah. And and that's just a thing that they do out of respect, and whether or not the stories have changed there as a result, we can't. We'll never know. Uh, you know, we'll never know what will happen if Azarello had gone to Max Allen Collins and said, "Hey, I have this idea," and Collins had said no. Well, let's say that, let's say he does, and they say no. There's no reason why Brian Azarello couldn't grab a character he, that he sure. just created or thought of or or it, was similar or whatever. Con conversely, there's also no. There's also 
uh, no reason that Azarello couldn't have gone ahead with what he planned anyway. Yeah. Uh, other than uh, then we'd all know about it. The internet would hear about it. Sure. Right. You know, if it came out that Azarello went to the creator of Wild Dog with an idea and the creator didn't like it and he went forward anyway, they wouldn't look good. Yeah. I mean, you're um, still an asshole. You're just a different kind of asshole. Right. And, and so like, <laughs> the, so, like but let's shit. talk about the Lee Field thing for a minute, because I think, yes, they should have asked Rob Lee Field. They should have said, hey, we want to make this character homosexual now if, and Rob has a right to say, no, I don't like that. If it's because no, I don't like that. And yeah, you should have asked him. Here's my counterpoint to that. You know, who has actually never written Shatterstar? Yeah. Rob Liefeld. He drew a picture of Louis, Louise Simonson, yeah. Fabian Nicieza, uh, you know, Peter David, these are Jeff Loeb. These are creators that have written, Shatterstar. Rob Liefeld created the visual for Shatterstar. Right. He probably came up with a backstory. And like, it's cool if Rob says, look, I envisioned Shatterstar as being asexual because he is a genetically engineered construct that cares only about battle. Sure. Great. Fine. I get it. But it, I, I, I view that as I don't really think that that's the same thing as saying I want to take a character and completely change the intentions. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, uh, of the creator. I agree. I still think they could have asked. And I have a feeling they probably did talk to the Simonsons and Peter David. I think Peter David was partially responsible for it, honestly. I think, um, <laughs> I, I, like, I think this, I, so this, this, uh, this stuff about um, Shatterstar, like, becoming more human and forming human relationships that started in the nineties, man. Right. And that's that interesting. Started, that started with Jeff Loeb and like, it was like Peter David. Yes. Peter David finally was like, yes, he's gay and he's in a relationship with Richter there. Right. You are you guys happy now? But that goes way back before Peter David. And to say that, like we should have checked with Rob Liefeld. That's like, look, I appreciate your contribution to the character, Rob. You did not develop the character of Shadowstar, no, okay? You, you drew a picture of a character that stood around and said things like, I am a warrior born. <laughs> like, okay. You, right, which again, he did not write. No, he did you not know, write. Like, Fabian Nicesia so, wrote that. Right, and so, you know, I, I, I think it's different to, to say, hey, look, Max Allen Collins and Terry Beatty developed the character of Wild Dog. You make insert joke here. It is Wild Dog after all. Right. But- uh, I mean, uh, at least you can say that they did it. Like yes. they, they had an idea it was of their character. The character. Yes. And, and Brian Azzarello, for whatever reason, decided to change it. Could he have picked a different character? Yes. Did he pick a character that people would recognize? Yes. Is it something to be all mad about? Probably not. Yeah. Cause it's wild dog. Right. Like, look, man, come on. But it is theirs and they should have asked. We got um, one more call so, here. Wait, let's get, cause I gotta get going. So <laughs> yeah. One last thought about one last thought about John's thing. Uh, I think that it's okay to be mad about the wild dog thing. It's not okay to be mad about the shadow star thing. Yeah. I'm not saying mad about it. I'm just saying they could have asked. That's all I'm saying. And I agree. One definitely has more license over that character than the other, but they could have asked. Get his opinion. Yeah, they could at least, have. You know? All right. Let's see what Brian Domingo says. Hey now, it's Brian Domingos, um, and hey I was calling about the answer of the week. Um, I do think that the Dark Knight Returns is as important and as good as um, it is believed to be. Um, I know that it did have a, that w in, combined with Watchmen had a, a real inadvertent negative effect um, on the industry where everything went dark and kind of grim and gritty, and it's not necessarily their fault, uh, but that was the 
the result of it, those both being massively successful stories. Um, and as far as something having an impact um, in towards uh, comics in general, um, I truly believe that if the, the authority from Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch had not been a massive success, um, there would not be a Marvel Cinematic Universe as we know it, because without the authority, there's no Brian Hitch and Mark Miller on the Ultimates, and without Ultimates, you don't get those first movies the way they are. So Totally agree. Um, credit is where it's due, and that's all I got. Have a good one. He's 100% right, and we talked about that earlier yeah. as well. Yep. So let's get right into our answers, and like, okay. let's talk about The Dark Knight. Was The Dark Knight a very gritty Batman story for adults. 100% it was. Was it an amazing book? Without question. Some of Frank Miller's greatest work. It is important. Did it steer comics in a very dark and gritty direction? Yes. Is that the fault of the book? No. Absolutely no, it, not. Right. And Brian, Brian says that as well. I, I, like, I, I think that, you know, he mentioned an overall negative impact. I don't even think it's fair to say that it had a negative impact. What I don't think it, so either. What makes it negative is these uh, publishers and creators. Right. But you know it. You know, it was a public uh, 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 on a publisher level. Most first oh, and foremost, of course is making it a mandate, right? Yes. That things need to be grim and gritty. Yes. It's like, like poochifying something, right? right? It's like, well, let, we let's, get it. So you to know? make a music metaphor, like the, if back in the day, back in the late eighties, early nineties, right? Faith No More shows up. Faith sure. No More kicks ass. They're amazing. Yeah. They put out two records that are unstoppably kick ass and their biggest hit has dude rapping in it. He's like, he's totally sure. He's yeah. rapping and people hear that and they went, fuck yeah. Next thing you know, we got Limp Bizkit, you know, is Limp Bizkit the fault of Faith No More? No, absolutely not. And, and like right. Linkin Park, all that new metal rap shit. No, that is not DOD. Faith No More's fault. And it does not take away from Faith No More. Sure. So and, I and will not what? say that the, 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 this Batman book is bad because of what it did. The it, comics industry is bad for what they did because they read yeah, this book. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, first of all, Faith No More's cover of Easy Like Sunday Morning is tremendous. Oh, my God. I will hear nothing bad about it. Uh, second of all, Dark Knight Returns, I have not read in many years, so I, it, I'm due for a revisit. Um, but it's historically significant, and it is important. Totally and holds thus, up. And, it's, and thus, it matters. Yeah, absolutely um, important. Is it was it bad for comics? I agree. No. Um, is, did did people deciding that grim and gritty is the thing to be now and forever for a decade? Is, is that bad for comics? Yes. Yeah. Um, but again, not the Dark Knight Returns' fault. No. And and or Watchmen for that matter, because as Brian pointed out, it was kind of the double. It was like the the one two punch of Watchmen and Dark Knight that changed the industry for real on like a real measurable way. And, um, it's, you know, it's like things are, things are a success and suddenly it's the thing. It's the one thing that all these publishers decide yep. need needs to be the status quo and it's stupid, but yeah. yeah it, do, do I think it's the dark Knight returns his fault? No, no. Um, do I have different thoughts about Frank Miller today than I did when I was younger? Yes. But again, I need to revisit dark Knight Returns. Right. Okay, before we get to our dumb answers to this question, let's listen to some really smart history on 
Batman Legends of the Dark Knight by the THN historian, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jason Sachs. Take it away, Jason. Hey, it's Jason Sachs. So you asked a question that was legitimately intended for me. So I have a long answer to this. I hope you don't mind me going on for a little while, but I have kind of a long series of thoughts about Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns, and stuff. So in order to answer this question fully, let me go back to 1983. By 1983, Frank Miller had a matchless position in the history of his art form. He was the hottest creator in a medium which itself was red hot. He was acclaimed by fans and critics alike as one of the most exciting innovators in comics history. Miller learned the lessons of the great Will Eisner and gave comics a modern noir sheen. Similar to Eisner, Miller delivered stories rich in both astonishing clever rendering and tremendously memorable characters. His 35-issue run on Daredevil helped to make the young auteur into a celebrity. Taking a moribund title slayed for cancellation, Miller's spectacular storytelling, combined with smartly written stories, immediately began driving increased sales. With the introduction of the mysterious and beautiful Greek ninja Elektra in Daredevil 168, those increasing sales started to reach a fever pitch. In a rare case of quality driving sales, Daredevil became the hottest series on the stands while also being the most creatively interesting American monthly comic. Miller was so popular he could essentially name his own price for his next job. And that's exactly what he did. Jeanette Kahn, the publisher at DC Comics, aggressively courted Miller to migrate to her company and help drive sales there. She guaranteed Miller nearly complete artistic freedom and an extremely favorable contract to deliver his next creation through DC. After some contemplation and a counteroffer from Jim Shooter at Marvel, Miller jumped and began producing the ideas that would lead to Ronin. Package was this a crucial element of what set Ronin apart. Ronin was published on deluxe paper and sold for the absurdly high price of $2.50 an issue at the time when most Marvels sold for $0.60 cents each. That deluxe presentation was very much part of the plan. Ronin challenged readers with an artistic approach truly ahead of its time. It was uncompromising and often bizarre. It was the difficult second album of Frank Miller's career, and like many artists with second albums, his fans quickly left him to follow other, more popular and more mainstream material. Ronin number one famously sold incredibly well, but sales plummeted as Ronin went on. And sales weren't helped much by the fact Ronin number six was several months late reaching stops. By the end of the run, retailer Bud Plant was literally using unpaid copies of Ronin number six as cordwood to light his wood stove. The reaction to Ronin helps explain the explosive popularity of Miller's next major work, the iconic Batman The Dark Knight Returns. You knew I would get there at some point. Many retailers hesitated in investing in even the more expensive exploration of Batman's feature in Dark Knight Returns. If Ronin was a difficult second album, Dark Knight Returns was a breakthrough album that truly catapulted him to stardom. The Born in the USA, or Sign of the Times of his career, to quote two artists of the era. The original DKR is a towering work in terms of both format and presentation. It's easy to take the square round prestige format for granted now, but DKR was the first book released that way. And it was on glossy paper with gorgeous reproduction of some spectacular comics art. Miller's storytelling gains the ultimate compliment based on the book because so many of its elements have slipped into cliche. 
where once the depictions on TV screens and the almost punkish take on the Joker were innovative, they now feel like cliches. But Miller was there first, spinning those genre tropes into gold using his massive creativity, some brilliant edits by Danny O'Neill and Dick Giordano, and a whole bunch of cocaine. One more important note, Miller was an important bridge to the early 90s and the rise of Image Comics. Brennan was the first comic to have its creator's name above the title. Miller was a star, and DC marketed him as a star. It's just a short jump from there to Jim Lee selling 8 million copies of X-Men. Dark Knight is a classic, a true classic, and a transformational work of comics art. It has its flaws, it doesn't feel nearly as innovative now as it did then. And yeah, some of the stuff that came after was kind of crap, though there's also a lot of great stuff that appeared in the same format. Look for a series called Breathtaker, if you don't believe me. So, sorry if this is long. I hope you enjoyed my take on this question. Like I said, it was seems like it was written just for me. Hey, hope you enjoyed five minutes of Jason babbling. Thanks, guys. Miss you. Bye. Thanks again to Jason, and you can catch him usually on our regular show where he hosts who the hell is this guy with his amazing historical perspective of characters and where they came from. He's a published author too. So go find his books, the American comic book Chronicles. They are kick ass. Now let's get to our stupid answers to the stupid question. Joe Patrick. As far as my answer, uh, something that fundamentally changed comics in the wake of the comics code authority and the crackdown on uh, certain types of stories, comics got tame, right? Superheroes became a thing of the past, you, you still had your Superman and your Batman and, and things like that. But um, for the most part, like Captain America became a weird sci-fi book. Like it's, it's, a, it was an odd time. And then in 1954, Julius Schwartz said, we are bringing back superheroes. And at DC comics, he spearheaded what we now understand, what we now consider the silver age of comics. And it was the return of superheroes, starting with The Flash as Barry Allen, Green Lantern, The Atom, Hawkman. Like all of these Golden Age characters were revamped for a new time, and superheroes came back in a big, big, big way. Yeah. And, and while other types of stories did become popular, like in the 70s, you know, we saw a rise in horror comics and barbarian stuff and whatever, superheroes have just. They've never gone away. No, they've ne- they never went away again, and will probably they will probably never go away. Probably now not that now. They are it's too late. Billion dollar franchises. It's too late. Yeah, and, it's like uh, they they know, will go away right after like the NFL goes away. Sure, <laughs> there's too uh, like, much money to be made there. Sorry, you know you you, you talk about like uh, well the '90s crash that wasn't about the characters that was about the market that was so terrible marketing is what that print i will i would i would go so far as to say that print comics will be dead and gone before the superhero goes away absolutely absolutely oh that's my answer the silver age yeah it's a great answer i love it i was going to go into mine but it's not even really worth talking about but it would be specifically new mutants 98 rob leefield was on this book before that he absolutely was but you cannot deny that there is a definitive change in his style and the look of that book that begins with New Mutants 98 sure. and culminates in the pages of X-Force number one. And then it was, screw you, Jim Lee, we're done aping you. 
everyone's going to ape Rob Leefield now because yeah. he is the guy. <laughs> uh, well, like, and you, you can, you can, you can find stories online about like our old artists oh. like Herb Trimpey. It's like, it was getting me work. It was putting food yeah. on the table because I tried to draw like Rob. It was literally like when they do when the mm-hmm. Kirby house style where like everybody kind of draw like Jack Kirby. Got it. Great. Now everybody draw like Rob Leefield. That's what sells. And it was marvel it was dc it was valiant at the time which i think was a claim maybe malibu was doing it Every, that was pretty acclaim but yeah uh but yes everyone uh, like, was doing it and it was yeah awful <laughs> not to pile well, on and, and it and that's what like you know people think people remember those early image books fondly i'm here to tell you they're that garbage by and large the early image comics are they not good are garbage and it's the uh, ultimate like, example of pure flash and nothing behind like, now, this is when I, like just, i will say this uh, out of all of them i would say the best written one is savage dragon because uh, eric larson it, you know understands how to write a story yeah but um don't like savage dragon now this is a different story but um <laughs> got real booby yeah like the, back in the day it's like these books were all about the po- the characters posing that's than it. they were the story they were telling it was if like the story uh, backseat we're selling trading cards, baby. You know, like, it was well, just, and, then, and now, and, and now they, I would say that they quickly figured it out because you would see like Neil Gaiman on spawn and, and, uh, Alan Moore on what, like on wildcats. And, and so like, it was they a, figured it, it out. Well, it was a boom and bust again, where all of a sudden they went, Oh yeah. shit, we got to write a story. Well, whoops. Right. Yeah, you exactly. The, but you know, like the, the image generation, which, uh, those people that were getting into comics with the image generation, uh, now look back at that stuff with nostalgic eyes as though those comics could do no wrong. And I'm here to tell you, they absolutely bad do. news. Yeah. Bad uh, news. <laughs> and, and like, it's a, like, it's okay for you to love them. That's yeah, not what I'm saying. Fine. I love, I love a lot of them. They're bad. They They're are bad. bad comics. They're straight up. Bad. Uh, it takes a so, team. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you like, can't just like, do it as an artist and very few people are a double threat and God bless them. They're amazing. But yes, very yeah. few of you are actually double threats. Okay, people. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got to so get out of here. Let's you get, said you had a question of the week figured out. I got a new question of the week, but I think we should go with, let's go with Jim's first because it's fun and it's, and it's a little more, we've, we've done some creator stuff and we were heady with this one. Let's go with Jim's. I want to hear the worst example of character power leveling not new powers not a power switch but a time where they got so powerful or did something so stupid with their existing power (laughs) that it just took you out of the book that you just went okay the time the fuck out (laughs) the worst example of an existing character power leveling that's what I want to hear about. I want to hear about it, cases where it worked for you as well. Sure. I mean, if there's stuff that you like, let's hear about that too. But I'd love to hear about the dumb ones as well. Yeah. So your your your, your favorite and least favorite examples right. of a character becoming becoming way more powerful. Like than that time that Superman put on big metal gloves and moved a planet. You know, like. Uh, well, and like again, we're not talking <laughs> about one-off weird stuff like Cosmic Spider-Man. That's different. No, you know, no, no. That was, that's a that, that would we're be talking about like that's a power change. I'm not talking about a power change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, uh, like Superman suddenly developing super ventriloquism because the story calls for a super ventriloquism. Stupid. You know? <laughs> yes. it, yeah, it's dumb. Let's talk about it next week right here 
on THN cover to cover. This Wednesday, Cosmic Longbox is back. We are reading and investigating comic book stories written by celebrity guest creators, people who were not necessarily writers, but they were famous. And so they can probably sell comics, right? Wrong. But we'll get into that this Wednesday <laughs> on the regular I mean, show. I, and again, they're not guest creators. These are concepts created by the celebrity. I'm saying guest creators because they stepped out of what they were doing to All make right. a comic Well, book. it makes it sound like they filled in on an issue of Spider-Man They're, they're dipping their toes into... Well, one of them is actually... them. One of mine is a Spider-Man story that they dip their toes into. So. Yeah, but that's a good one. We'll do it next Wednesday right here on the regular show. Thank you so much for playing along with us. Uh, my name's Matt Baum. My name's Joe Patrick. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.